Hi there, listener. I'm Nina, and you're listening to Bulbshare's co-creation sessions, your resource for all things brand advocacy, current trends, and customer insights. Today's podcast, The Vegan Revolution and its widespread impact on brands this year. Veganism is a movement that has arisen from the peripheries of consumer awareness to become one of the biggest food movements in the world. Once on the fringe, now a mainstream movement, we've witnessed an increase both in vegans and in the products available to them. In the UK alone, veganism has risen 360% over the past decade and 300% in the US too. But it's not just veganism that's on the rise, it's also all the many offshoots it has from vegetarianism, pescatarianism and flexitarianism. However, the potential of veganism goes far beyond diets too. It's actually a lifestyle that encompasses many verticals. From fashion, with vegan leather making its mark, to tech, with Mercedes-Benz launching a prototype of a solar-powered car with mushroom leather seats, to beauty, with brands like NYX Professional Makeup committing to cruelty-free products. We cannot understate the power of the vegan industry and the vegan consumer. There is an entire vegan economy to tap into. I'm joined today by some absolutely fantastic people. Uh, These guest speakers are really changing the game when it comes to veganism. So first, the vegan society, uh, they might not need any instruction, but let's do one anyway. Known for the vegan trademark that you'd see on any label of food that's certified vegan. Since their launch in 1990, they're in the stamp of authority that consumers look for when purchasing. Today, over 58,000 products from more than 2,500 companies are registered globally, including 24,000 cosmetics and toiletries and 18,000 food and drink items. And it's interesting there that there are more cosmetics than food and drink items registered. It speaks to just how wide ranging that veganism is becoming. But more on that later, let's not get ahead of ourselves. So um, I'll leave some of the introduction up to Louisiana, our representative of the Vegan Society and their Senior Insight and Policy Officer. Louisiana, would you like to say a few words about yourself. Thank you for that introduction. That was that was really nice to hear. So yeah, I'm from the Vegan Society. As Nina said, the trademark started in 1990, but we've been around since uh, 1944. So we recently celebrated our 76th or 77th anniversary. I can't remember. Uh, we trademark any product from cosmetics, food and drink, fashion. We recently trademarked a violin. Uh, because they commonly contain animal ingredients. We've trademarked mattresses, yoga mats. It's really incredible to see um, where animal products end up in in industry supply chains. And we're really trying to remove them from that, of course, and create a more ethical world. So yeah, thank you very much for inviting us here. Brilliant, that's that's amazing. Um, Thank you. Uh, So next we have NYX Professional Makeup's Jasmine Howard. NYX has been a pioneer in the beauty industry when it comes to cruelty-free makeup. Compassion for living beings is at the core of their brand, which is why NYX Professional Makeup is certified by Peter as cruelty-free. So Jasmine, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure, so hi, I'm Jasmine. I am the Assistant Social Brand Manager for NYX. So I'm in charge of all the social medias, the influencers, and yeah, I'm really excited to be here. I'm also a vegetarian. I've been vegetarian now for about four years, I think. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. Great. Thank you so much. And thirdly, we have Katie, the vegan content creator, marketer and influencer. Katie has been running a successful vegan food page on Instagram with a large following since the pandemic and has been previously worked with Bulbshare running a food channel as well. Katie, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself? Thank you, Nina. So... I'm Katie, I'm a digital marketer and content creator and I run a page called uh, Veg Food Enthusiast on Instagram and I share vegan recipes and 
food reviews in the Midlands and yeah I'm looking forward to having our discussion today thank you for having us Thank you. Yeah, I've also been a long term follower of Katie, so excited <laughs> to chat today. Um, OK, so before we kick things off, I'd like to mention that, as always, our webinar content is based on Bulbshare Insights. At Bulbshare, we bring customers and brands closer together through always on channels where brands can get rich feedback on creative concepts and gather insights through interactive customer surveys. Today, our insights come from our UK public channel. And just a reminder as well, feel free to add any questions you may have to our chat function and we can answer them at the end. Cool. Right. Let's kick off with food then. So from meatless Mondays to oat milk lattes, customers are changing their approach to animal products. Whether that means going fully vegan, being pescatarian or just giving veganuary a go, we're seeing a real reckoning for the meat industry. In fact, half of the UK customer community have tried to cut out meat in some way during their lifetime, with 12% of the community being vegan, 7% identifying as plant-based, 19% classified as vegetarian, 13% being flexitarian and 8% being pescatarian. So with one, one in five of our community identifying as either plant-based or vegan, and one in two having cut out meat in some way, we're seeing a major uphaul of diets as we used to know them. Um, and it's not going away in 2022 either. 48% think veganism will become an even bigger trend, and 61% think plant-based foods will be more popular in 2022. And on top of that, one in three percent think flexitarianism will also be a bigger trend for the year. So what do you guys think is plant-based eating actually becoming more popular yeah i'll start if you like Go on. Um, yeah plant-based eating plant-based eating and and you know vegan diets as well and i think we'll cover the difference um in a little while but yeah 100 percent, it's grown in popularity for so many different types of reasons animal rights environment and health always remain the top three um the word trend i think is interesting because i think vegan food and drink it is a trend but it, it's so much more than that it really is a movement and nina as you said a lifestyle and a, a real um philosophy as well so it's a way of thinking a way of looking at the world so yeah and it's great to be involved in all the work because you realize it's it's you know you're part of something really great and it's a movement which really i think a lot of people we all hold animals so dearly in our hearts and we all have a love for animals it's just about putting that into action. Um, so really when you're kind of involved in this industry, you realize it's something which is kind of bigger than yourself and and yeah, it's such a great industry to be involved with. So so yeah, definitely getting more popular. Great, thank you. Katie, what were you gonna say as well? Um, I was just gonna say, well, the same really, um, it 100% is becoming more popular. I mean, you look back at uh, a couple of years ago, if you look back at even just two years ago or 18 months ago, the, um, the variety of, vegan food available um in from the the brands that we know the chain restaurants the supermarket ranges they are the variety and the options are becoming so vast it, it's quite incredible to see really so there's definitely an increase in popularity for sure yeah, I completely agree. And uh, Louisiana, you mentioned about the difference between um, veganism and plant-based. So that was actually what I was going to ask. So is, if anyone wants to explain just to the audience what the difference is. Yeah, I think um, there's a few different things to take into consideration when we're talking about this. So in terms of lifestyle, I would say veganism 
is as I said it's so much more than a diet I think a lot of people still think of it as as a diet but it, it's really an ethical viewpoint to avoid any type of animal exploitation so yes that involves diet and and it's one of the most obvious ways I think because it's something that people choose three times a day is what you eat um, whereas you might not buy cosmetics every day or you might not buy clothes every day um, so plant-based diets are really open to interpretation and when you're thinking about it from a marketing point of view as well, neither of these terms has a legal definition, which is why um, the Vegan Society actually created the term vegan in 1944. There wasn't a word for the lifestyle before that. So we have defined the word where with, with plant-based, it really is open to interpretation. And I know a lot of brands in particular, a lot of food brands are trying to define it, but ultimately that it feels like a, a marketing, you know, it's, tactic because it, the food industry wants to define it so that they have a authority to say what it is but ultimately it really it really is open to interpretation um i would consider it a a diet based on plants really um but some people consider that a vegan diet some people consider that mostly plant-based with some meat and dairy it yeah it's really it's, it's a tricky one um and that's why when i talk to brands i would tend to say say vegan when you mean vegan because people know what vegan means. Also with the term plant-based, it, it can't be translated very well. So we work with loads of companies and they say they might use plant-based in the UK, but that just doesn't translate in different languages. So it is tricky. And I think again, recently we've seen, um, I won't name the brand, but there was a burger brand who uh, named one of their vegetarian products plant-based. And they got a lot of backlash from this recently because it had cheese in. They hadn't legally done anything wrong, but of course that's really confusing for shoppers because I think people have come to think of those two terms as interchangeable, mm. but they're not. So yeah, it's a tricky one. And I think when you have, um, I've seen recently uh, a, sh a shampoo uh, described itself as something like 95% plant-based, right. but, it, but it had honey in. So again, that's really, it kind of dilutes the term and it, it gets a bit confusing. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, big, I would always say from a marketing point of view, use vegan when you mean vegan, but yeah. also it would depend on your brand and who you're targeting towards as well. So yeah, I mean, in some senses, the answer is easy, but there's a lot of gray areas as well, but I'm sure the other panelists um, will agree or maybe disagree on, on some of those points. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's so interesting about the shampoo as well. It's funny, it's yeah. I've always associated uh, plant-based food. So that's really interesting to me. Okay. Um, okay, then moving on. Um, so who are we talking about when we talk about vegans? Well, interestingly, the community members who said they tried veganism, well, one in 10 had only just started and one in five had been vegan for around a month. Overall, 84% of the vegans in our community have been vegan for six, under six months. So what does that tell us? Well, I'm going to offer my interpretation, but I'd also like to hear everyone else's. Um, so for me, it suggests that A, trends like Veganuary have real power when it comes to converting people to this new lifestyle, or at least giving it a go if we're seeing so many recent converts. Um, and B, it tells us that the vegan, uh, it's not just vegan veterans who are flying the flag, but new groups of consumers who are getting on board too. Um, and veganism was something that was once far from mainstream. In fact, I mean, when I've talked about being vegetarian in the past, you know, sometimes you're met with jokes and things. Um, and there were rarely vegetarian or vegan men, uh, options on the menu. 
but according to behavioural psychology, social change comes as the result of a committed and patient minority influence, with more and more of the majority transitioning their opinion to match that of the minority. It's a snowball effect that happens until something becomes mainstream. And for me, the plant-based movement or the vegan movement, we've got to decide which one we're going, the vegan movement, we'll say, is on the cusp of this transition with half of our community admitting um, to ditching meat in some way. Uh, so this is a real turning point for veganism. It's exciting and brands should get involved too. So how have you observed a change in attitude towards veganism, guys? Um for me, the change in attitude, so similar to you, Nina, um, I was vegetarian for a few years before I became vegan. Um, the attitude a couple of years ago, say four or five years ago, is very different to what it is now. Um, people would um, have a lot of questions. A lot of people wouldn't even know what vegan meant. Mm -hmm. um, some people still don't, of course, but then it seems to be a term that people are more familiar with now. Um, even if they don't understand the ins and outs of it and what it truly means as a philosophy, they are more familiar with the term. Um, whereas four or five years ago, I don't, I didn't feel that that was the case. So there's definitely a change in awareness for sure, along with attitude. Yeah, I think definitely. I agree. I think when I used to like four or five, four years ago, I was on and off vegetarian for like quite a while. I've been like a nice four year long stint now, but before, um, if I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm vegetarian, they'd be like, oh, so you can eat fish? And it's like, no, I can't eat fish. And they'd be like, can you eat chicken? No, I can't eat chicken. <laughs> yeah. Like, people didn't really get it. And, like, as I'm what Katie said, like, you went to a restaurant, and what you said, Nina, there wasn't very many um, options on the menu. And if they were, they were just really weird, like a salad or something that no one really wants to have for dinner. Um, whereas now, like, um, I think... Wagamama's has just recently like extended their whole menu haven't they to have like loads of vegan like nice vegan and vegetarian options um now I think you can really see like so many more chains and so many more restaurants jumping on that trend because so many more people are which I've got loads of friends now who are vegetarian or vegan mm. whereas before I was like the only one yeah. um so you can definitely see um everyone's attitude changing towards it and how much more accepting it is now like so many more people know I don't get asked as often do I eat fish anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I agree I, you can definitely see the change um particularly in restaurants going and dining out I mean it used to be that you um struggle to um even figure out what's vegan on the menu and now it is um there's whole marketing campaigns around the vegan offerings that, that businesses have so it, it's great to see but as uh, Louisiana was pointing out it's there is still that um gray area between plant-based and vegan and it's important that these businesses understand that the, the ethics behind veganism and don't just jump on it as a as a trend or as a fad Definitely, definitely. I, I think we could all relate to having probably been asked, oh, where do you get your protein from? But I feel like that's that's fading out a little bit now, at least. Um, but yeah, yeah. And you're completely right. In terms of menus now, you can look at a menu and there will be a V next to um, everything and there'll be a key that will tell you what's vegetarian, what's vegan, <laughs> yeah. which is such a change from what used to be the case, definitely. So do we think that these vegan trends like Veganuary uh, do bring about real change? Do we think they're a fad or do we think they're quite powerful? What does everyone think about that? Yeah, I, I definitely think it's it's real change. I mean, when you think about how 
how much things have changed in the last few years. And a really great example of this is Greg's vegan sausage roll. That was only launched in January 2019 and that made headlines. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, the same thing is happening every week and it's just become part of our normal culture. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's not slowing down. Like there's, there's been no slowdown at all. And this has been happening, I would say the last five years have been the most fundamental for change. And within food de- development, perhaps the last two to three, because there's so many ethics behind it, and particularly with the environmental argument, you know, with an- animal rights is sadly a harder thing to sell, but the environmental impact of the meat industry compared to the vegan food industry, you cannot ignore that. And the environment is something which quite clearly will affect every single one of us. So this is why I think more than ever, it really is, you know, it's starting a movement. It's not just a fad, it won't, it won't stop. There's, yeah, more people than ever are buying these products, even if it's just a couple of times a week, even mm. if it's just once and they're trying them, you know, as and kind of going back to the, the previous question, there's no stereotype to vegans, well, a lot less these days anyway. You meet people all the time of all different ages, of all different types of people who, who are vegan, people who you would never thought of until you have that conversation. And mm. everyone knows someone who's vegan, which really helps to make the positive portrayal um, a lot better because when you have a vegan in your life, which sounds a bit strange, sounds like a charity <laughs> appeal, um, but it, it makes you realize that, you know, we're just kind of normal people, you know, trying to do our best. Um, and, you know, there's obviously the animal rights perspective to it as well, but most, most people are just kind of doing their best and getting along with their life and yeah and yeah it's really helping to to shape the movement in a positive direction definitely and I think there's um a real sort of have a go attitude at the moment as well um where the attitude sort of taking baby steps and every change makes a difference which I think is really encouraging consumers at the minute to get involved it doesn't feel like a huge leap anymore it feels like there's all these different changes that you can incorporate uh, to help it become part of your life um so it's of course more than just uh what's on the plates that affects a vegan or plant-based diet it's also what we're drinking um 51 of the bulk share customer community said they drink milk alternatives with soy and almond milk voted as the most popular types and alpro voted as the most popular brand of those who had previously dropped meat in their diet 88 percent were also drinking soy or oat milk and it doesn't just stop there 60 percent of people think dairy-free milk will be an even bigger trend in the new year. So in terms of motivations for people incorporating more plant-based food in, and milks into their diets, health was the main driver. Um, when we asked the community about their New Year's resolutions, 82% said they were striving to be healthier in 2022, with COVID being a big factor behind that. Uh, so it may be no surprise that health was a big motivation for 76% of our vegan community to change their eating habits to be more plant-based. After that came animal cruelty and then environmental sustainability as well. So other factors that inspired our community um, were the sheer popularity of the movement, with 69% saying they were more aware of veganism than ever before, and 67% saying they actually source inspiration on social media like TikTok, uh, finding recipes on there as well. So why is veganism becoming more popular? Um, Why are so many people now taking the leap and, and does social media play a role in this at all? I would say that social media um, definitely has a role to play. I mean, um, there's a lot of uh, celebrities that are 
going vegan or going plant-based um and it's shedding light on the matter first of all and then um, there's also other like smaller content creators people out there um creating showing vegan recipes showing a vegan life and um people who are interested who are vegan or are interested in becoming vegan can um have an insight into that lifestyle before they step into it which i think is really helpful for people um they they can um see what it's like they can get inspiration they can find recipes they can get beauty products and clothing recommendations they can learn more about the ethics and philosophy of veganism and understand what it really means and they can also a big a big part of social media and veganism is um connecting with others and for some people um not well less now than than um, in previous years but for some people um wanting to go vegan can be a controversial thing um for you in your life if you're not surrounded by people that are accepting of that um again sounds a bit like charity appeal like you're saying <laughs> Louisiana but it, it, it is kind of true it, it does isolate people and to be able to connect with others um whether that's a Facebook group or to follow in people on Instagram or anything to connect with with the people that um can support them and have a network of people who are understanding can can really help people in their journey to be vegan yeah the power of communities have made Absolutely. a difference and it's brought people together it's been an educational force and I suppose it's uh as you say it means it's not something isolated anymore it's uh yeah you feel you're together with other people who are following similar paths and you can yeah learn from each other 100% and then I would say the, the 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 other major effect that social media has is the is the awareness factor so it social media as we know enables serious issues to be discussed and shared in a way that we've never really seen before um people can access news and be exposed to things that they wouldn't some if they didn't have access to social media they would be shielded from and sometimes that is a bad thing but sometimes it's a good thing um so all of this plays a part in the increasing shift towards veganism vegetarianism or just a plant-based diet yeah, and I suppose you're speaking from experience as well as a content creator online. You're yeah. part of that community, definitely. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So, um, moving on. Vegan fashion, uh, makeup, and even tech is taking off in a big way. From the ascendancy of vegan leather to cruelty-free makeup flying off the shelves, veganism is truly expanding. And as you can see, half of the bulb share community avoid fur. A further half avoid leather, 70% use cruelty-free hair, makeup products and toiletries, and 72% disagree with testing on animals for makeup. So really is, as we were saying, so much more than just food. Um, furthermore, when asked if they felt confident explaining the difference between vegan and cruelty-free makeup, 50% answered yes. And when asked about some makeup ingredients that aren't always suitable for vegans, we had encouraging replies. 47% new guanine, which is used in highlighters and eyeshadows, um, can be sourced from fish scales. 44% were aware that lipstick ingredients such as lanolin can be sourced from animals. And 50% knew that retinol, um, a common skincare ingredient, isn't always vegan friendly. Um, 
And interestingly, 62% said they were more drawn to the term cruelty-free, whereas 38% preferred vegan when purchasing makeup, which is, which is interesting because it almost goes mm. against what uh, we were thinking earlier about the plant-based vegan divide. But I, I, perhaps there's uh, more of an understanding about what cruelty-free means. Maybe there needs yeah. to be more education what vegan means in terms of makeup, perhaps. So while we're on the topic of the beauty industry, uh, Jasmine, how does NYX Professional Makeup go about promoting cruelty-free products? Um, so we've always been a cruelty-free brand from the beginning, um, always. But now, as vegan makeup and vegan formulas kind of becoming bigger and bigger, NYX has actually reformulated a lot of our old formulas. And now, uh, about 90% of all of our new launches are vegan formulas. Um, so, like, for example, all of our primers have been reformulated now, so all of our primers are vegan all of our foundations are vegan um and i think it's really important to us to kind of change with the times and as things are coming as vegan um veganism is becoming more mainstream obviously we want to move with that and we want to be able to cater to the people if more people come in vegan we want to be able to cater to that um and also it's just yeah it's, it's more inclusive it's better we've always been cruelty free because i think going back to what you said before i think the reason people kind of resonate with cruelty free more is because i think they they sit there and they think about like the cute little bunnies and things like that you know what i mean so which makes them think like oh no it's a lot more of a, like a jarring concept um of these animals in cages in a science lab mm -hmm. um so like for example i know a lot of people who only use cruelty free makeup but yet they they're not vegan or they're not vegetarian um mm. but yeah Great, yeah, and that's right. Do we think the beauty industry has a long way in general to go um, before we get to where we want to be with that? I think so. I think um, a lot of brands will come and they'll be like, oh, we're cruelty free, we're cruelty free, but yeah, they still trade in China and things like that. And obviously, in China, it's a law you have to, you're, like, if you're going to sell cosmetics and trade in China, they have to be tested on animals. So it's kind of like, I think some brands still have a, lot way to, a long way to go, but I think the way that the consumers are going and consumers opinions are going they're going to have to make a change soon and kind of follow that trend and there's no there's no reason for someone to still be a brand to still be testing on animals and not catering to vegan formulas in this day and age like it's not against the law like you don't have to test animals there's no need for you to do you know what i mean mm -hmm. um and why would you not want your makeup line to be more accessible for everyone um, no matter the lifestyle and no matter what um but yeah I definitely think I think there's a massive improvement most of the makeup brands you see now are cruelty free maybe not all of them have started to go vegan um but I'm hoping to see as time goes on more people kind of taking the same route as NYX where they make all of their newest launches vegan formulas and try and slowly phase out mm. all of the ones that aren't um Definitely. Yeah. And I think um, there's always been a bit of consumer confusion around uh, makeup and knowing what is truly cruelty free, given uh, England's, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that England's laws have been for a while that it's not, uh, you're not allowed to test on animals, but that doesn't mean you can, uh, can't access um, products from other countries that have been traded in that have been. So it can be quite difficult to uh, understand what you're actually purchasing. And there's always been that sort of educational element like what actually is cruelty free yeah um, yeah okay so 
So yeah. I was just going to quick, quickly say about the beauty industry um, yeah. because it's it's so different to the food industry where diets diets are hard to change because what you eat is so embedded in who you are, where you've come from, what yeah. culture you're you're in. So diets are hard to change. But for things like the beauty industry, I truly think the beauty industry could be like the first cruelty-free vegan industry. I mean, it will take time to get there, but as you were just saying, Jasmine, like there is no excuse these days. And if someone is going to come to you with one product which has been tested on animals or it has, you know, got animal ingredients compared to one which doesn't, why would you choose that one? And because I think people are, you know, these days the te the technical things that the beauty industry has we can remove animals from from the supply chains there's just there's just no excuse for it so i really do think the beauty industry has such an opportunity to just become the most ethical industry in terms of animal cruelty you know there's obviously so many different types of industry but when we're thinking about veganism i usually think of food and drink fashion and beauty and mm -hmm. out of those three it will, beauty industry is, is far ahead compared to the others. Most of our trademark registrations are in the beauty industry, as you said at the start, Nina. Mm. And, you know, with, with fashion industry and, and the food and drink industry, there's still a long way to go. I think there's still a long way to go in the beauty industry as well, but I do think it's a few steps ahead. So I think it's a great time to be a vegan, vegan or cruelty-free brand in the industry. Yeah, I agree. I think it's probably with the beauty industry as well, it's almost like the easiest change that you can make because there are so many like cruelty-free and vegan brands, even if, you, if you're if you sat there thinking, oh, I'm not really ready to like take jump into being like a full vegan diet, you can always take those small steps, such as only buying cruelty-free makeup and only buying vegan formulas, just those like small changes and those mm. small steps. It's such an easy way to just dip your foot in the pool, if that makes sense, rather than going the whole hog. And it still makes a difference on the environment and everything else that veganism affects. And, and I think recently as well, I don't know if you've noticed, but that has been embraced by the industry. So I think it was last year or the year before, um, during Veganuary, Superdrug were promoting vegan brands. And I hadn't seen that happen before. I'd only seen vegan food and drink brands really getting involved. And it was great to see a beauty retailer, um, you know, kind of connect the dots and say, well, I think all of their own brand stuff is vegan anyway, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And they obviously stock so many vegan products. So it's really, really great to see all these other retailers and industries kind of take notice about what's happening because yeah it, it's a it's a positive uh, for everyone so so yeah that's just another point yeah and I, I i've noticed on nick's professional makeup social media a load of stuff going out about uh, veganism and veganuary and makeup and as you say that that sort of tipping point into it being more than just food at Veganuary is it's happening uh, it's tangible and it's exciting as well it's exciting to see that transition um and yeah it's actually I was just about to ask you Louisiana about um that what we were talking about earlier saying about how there are more cosmetics registered as vegan rather than the food products and I wanted to ask sort of what your interpretation is of that is that a good uh, reflection of how wide-ranging the vegan industry is becoming or what, what do you make of that yeah, it's really interesting. And I think a lot of because we're um, international trademark scheme, and I'm fairly certain that a, a good chunk of those cosmetics, uh, vegan cosmetics are international as well. So it's really showing this global shift towards more vegan um, cosmetic cosmetics and toiletries. And it kind of just goes back to what we're saying that there's, there's really no excuse these days. And you, you have uh, brands like the body shop who have committed to 100% of their products uh, as vegan by next year, I think. 
Right. They're the first, um, what do you call it, first global brand or some, I think it's the first global brand to make that commitment, which is amazing. And, yeah. and it kind of, it, it makes you think this is, this is just the first one and it's just going to snowball. And it kind of goes back to what I was saying about uh, Greg's when they released their sausage roll, because at the time that was like revolutionary. Yeah. Now it is so normal. It's so normal. And that happened in three years or two years, you know, it, it became normal, maybe even six months later. So yeah. it will become more normal to see all this change happening. Um, so yeah, really good time to be doing, making these commitments um, because yeah, it's the right thing to do and it's good for business. Definitely, it's setting a precedent to other brands as well, isn't it? Um, so yeah, next slide. Um, well, it's convenient we were just talking about that because it flows very nicely into this slide, which is what will a vegan future look like? And this is all about trends that we anticipate for the next few years, but specifically 2022. Um, so we asked the community what trends they anticipate from the vegan industry going forward. And we got some really interesting responses. 88% um, voted to say they expect more brand collaborations in 2022. So if you think of KFC partnering with Corn, for example, in 2020, that was a real highlight of what happens when two sort of behemoths of brands come together um, but it also shows the power of the vegan consumer because what was once an entirely meaty fast food brand is even catering for vegans is such uh, an example of that change happening. 88% um, also said there will be more vegan quick lunch foods available with grab and go veggie options becoming more popular since Quorn launched its range of sandwiches and wraps. Um, furthermore, 85% voted to say that there will be more vegan options in restaurants and cafes going forward. Uh, we've seen this building, as we were just saying, uh, Greg's sausage roll, it's, it was iconic in 2019. Um, <laughs> and now we're seeing Wagamama's changing 50% of their menu to be vegan, like you were saying as well, Jasmine. Um, even Burger King is making vegan nuggets. You, the list is endless. And I know that those were certified by the Vegan Society as well. So you can see that veganism is no longer peripheral. It's no longer an afterthought or an add-on. It's not just a sort of limp salad, like you were saying, Katie, that you have to pick because there's nothing else. Um, it's a huge brand opportunity. It's a huge customer demand as well. Um, and if a few options on a menu is not enough, 82% of consumers are expecting to see entire vegan food chains opening up in 2022. Uh, we've seen the success of smaller brands like the Burger Company and Temple of Satan across London as well. Um, and also bigger, more well-known brands like Veggie Pratt as well. But we can expect more fast food and dining in restaurants to embrace an entirely vegan menu. So veganism is the destination, you know, it's not an afterthought on a menu. Um, and it's not just big established brands partnering with restaurants um, that consumers anticipate. It's also 89% expecting to see more own brand vegan options in their local supermarket too. Um, we've seen Sainsbury's Plant Pioneers range, for example, and Tesco's um, Plant Chef range. Uh, so supermarkets are cottoning onto this. Um, and Tesco described the plant-based uh, movement as the biggest culinary trend of the decade and they're not wrong they sold four million vegan meals from their wicked kitchen range alone in a matter of months and you know veganism is becoming more affordable as we're seeing these own brand options open up as well so 
some of our community even pointed towards the growth of vegan fish options. Um, others suggested more vegan desserts and sweet treats. And a couple brilliantly suggested vegan butchers in high streets, which I think would be super fun. Um, and besides food, 68% expect more vegan tech in 2022, which is interesting. 79% anticipate more vegan fashion and 82% are ready for more vegan beauty, which is quite a lot to take in. Um, but it just shows how wide ranging this is and how exciting of a time this is. So, you know, whether it's food, makeup or fashion, what trends do you guys see on the horizon for the vegan industry? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think every single one of those I agree with. I really like the point about collaborations. So thinking purely from a food or drink point of view, so many vegan brands, they know what they're doing. So just by collaborating either with each other or with you know, fast food outlets, it just gets products out there quicker. The great thing about the vegan industry is that yes, they're competing with one another, but because a lot of these brands are owned by vegans, when the other one does well, it, everyone wins kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're really open to collaboration with one another. There's no point kind of um, replicating you know, the work that's done, just collaborate, get the products out quicker. Um, and then we see these really exciting things happening. Um, vegan fish and vegan cheese, Katie, I'm sure you know, I think, you know, they're, they're, they're up and coming markets. I don't know if anyone's yeah. like really nailed it, I would say. There's really are some hit and misses in terms yeah. of like taste profiles in that category. But I did go to a show recently and I tried, I tried so much vegan fish, it actually made me feel a bit ill because it's been <laughs> so long, so long since I've had it. And it just, really? it was so realistic. It was almost a bit too much. Um, but these are the kind of things I that people want. Huh? I saw like a, I saw like a salmon like you know like it was like sushi looked like the kind of salmon you put in sushi someone was making vegan sushi with it and it looked so realistic I think if I had it my brain would be so confused as to like <laughs> yeah 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 because I think they use seaweed in a lot of it um which is supposed to replicate kind of um the the fish's skin which is just you know it tastes it tastes and feels exactly the same so but these are the things people want these are the things that make the transition easier for some people these products aren't for everyone and you know they have good good things and bad things to them like everything does in the food industry you know sometimes the vegan food industry gets a bit of um negativity because there's some processed foods processed foods exist throughout the whole food industry we all eat processed foods regardless of our diet no one has a perfect diet so you know just that's what i say anyway um, I can't remember what the other things in the vegan trends were. Uh, restaurants, yeah, so food service, I think, as we've already mentioned, Wagamama making half the menu vegan, that's absolutely huge. And the great thing about food service is it normalizes the, these products. You, you can see them in a meal without having to cook it yourself. So it really normalizes it. And that is so integral because the UK is so reliant on animal proteins. And just being able to see it on a menu, how you would present it, it really does help to change the culture of food that we have because it is difficult, as we've said before, it is difficult for some people. So yeah, food service has a huge role to play and I, I really look forward to seeing, I think it's just the start for food service at the moment. You know, Wagamama, they're really setting the bar high, but all the fast food chains, you know, that they're every fast food chain in the UK top 10 has a vegan or plant-based offering. That only happened in 2020. So yeah, I can't wait to see what, what other food chains do next because I think there's a lot more coming that way. 
absolutely yeah, I, would, I would agree I think you couldn't really see like whereas before it was kind of they had like one vegetarian option or a vegan option but it was kind of like really like the bare minimum that they could have done do you know what I mean mm. um, and it wasn't really that you could tell it just wasn't really that thought out they were like oh yeah like I don't know McDonald's like veggie dippers for example yeah that's exactly what I was thinking but to me, they look disgusting. Like, you can tell they're just kind of thought, yeah, let's stick past some vegetables. They're all like that. Whereas, like, now they're actually bringing out stuff that you can tell they've put some thought into it. They've thought, mm-hmm. like, people are going to, people want actual, like, edible food. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, that actually tastes nice. Um, so I think we'll definitely see um, restaurants coming out with more products within that range once they realise why actually people will buy them because I've seen lots of people trying like the vegan burger who aren't even vegan they're just trying it just to see if yeah. it's nice um, and everyone's been like oh it's actually lovely so I reckon they've definitely come out I don't know why McDonald's hasn't got vegetarian chicken nuggets yet you can get into it yeah and in summary I guess um it's protein innovation is a huge thing at the moment finding new exciting ways to replicate meat we've all come up with examples I mean I've even been to a restaurant that did it's a bit bizarre but like fake shark fin and things like that it's it's crazy yeah it's crazy the range that is on offer at the moment um and the marketing opportunities are exciting there I remember there was um I can't remember it was KFC uh on February 1st after they'd released their um their corn burger and uh, they did this whole campaign called well the re- real vegans now stand up and everything about and doing a half-priced vegan burger on the first of february to see if people yeah. you know still going for it so there's some really exciting marketing opportunities here so <laughs> talking of um opportunities for brands our final slide um so 62 percent said it's easier to be vegan in 2022 than previous years but um, the community said that it is still a challenge to be vegan, um, with 63% saying there is difficulty around it. So it's getting mm-hmm. easier, but it's still not easy. Um, and the biggest challenges for our community were the products available. 38% said there was still not enough vegan products on offer at the moment, with taste and cost also being secondary issues. So brands, you know, take note, consumers want more vegan options. And it isn't just vegan food that consumers are wanting more of. It's also hair and beauty with 53% thinking there was a lack of um, vegan and cruelty-free products on the market for beauty. I mean, we're seeing that change, but again, you know, take note. So with this in mind, how can brands make veganism easier for consumers? And yeah, how can they harness the energy and buzz around veganism? Why should they listen? What's in it for them as well? question about how do brands make it easier for me it's a complex one to answer because I think it's down to a lot of different stakeholders I would say and we would really want to see more government support towards plant-based food brands vegan brands and supermarkets as well supermarkets really need to support these brands because every supermarket markets them differently you walk into one supermarket all the vegan products are together you walk into another and they're all separated next to their non-vegan counterparts. So there's some challenges, I think, with the marketing of of how to upsell these products to new customers. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't rise to the challenge. It means that the industry is really still in its infancy. As we've spoke about throughout this whole discussion, we're still really in the first three to five years of this industry really taking off. So we're learning lessons along the way. You know, Asda had their all vegan um, aisle recently. That was the first retailer to do that. So it really does take kind of supermarkets to 
to take a risk on the industry and see what works to see what doesn't work some things might work some things might not work but ultimately we're kind of all in it in it together and as we've said it's an industry which isn't slowing down so it's worth taking the risks and at this stage I mean I know I was talking earlier about the difference you know I would personally use vegan but some people use plant-based there's kind of it's almost like there's no right and wrong because it's still so up and coming and there's still so many new people coming into the industry some for the first time so you're going to get such a variety of customers and I would always say just yeah don't think that vegan is or veganism or vegan products are just for one kind of person so my my gran is is a relatively new vegan she was vegetarian for like 70 years and she's vegan now and she sometimes finds it difficult to actually find vegan products because they either say plant-based or they don't use the word vegan at all and she just kind of find it tricky sometimes so don't I would say don't forget about these customers because you know no matter who you are we they should be accessible to everyone and available to everyone so um yeah I don't know if that simply answers the question uh but yeah it, it's a really broad category and it, it's a, a broad question as well but I'm sure Katie and Jasmine will have um some more points on that Go ahead, okay, I will. Um, something I think about is um, when I think of accessibility for consumers when it comes to veganism is um, thinking about all types of diets and all types of um, allergens and um, dietary requirements that people have. Um, a few people um, in my life, I know they wanted to go vegan, but they have had limitations um from so they've had a gluten intolerance or uh, an allergy that is um that would affect their life and it makes uh, veganism harder because it's like another layer to think about and mm. um, so making um a lot of vegan brands already do this but um having more products that cater to different allergies is is um is important i think Definitely, especially with um, a lot of milks being nut-based as well. If it, there's a lot of people with nut allergies, which might mean they wouldn't be a good option. Yeah. Jasmine, were you going to say anything? Uh, yeah, I was going to say mine's not as um, in-depth as the other two, as this is not my forte, but I was going to say, really, um, why would they not want to? Like, it's another market that they can cap onto and make money from. So it's kind of like, why would they... Well, firstly, it makes them look good because it makes them look very, like, they've got very good morals. And two, again, it makes them more money. So it's kind of like, what is, what is the yeah. block? What is, what is stopping these companies from making that extra jump and getting on to the veganism yeah. market? Because I can't think of any, like, cons to it. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, well, I think we're coming to the end of the session. Um, which is a shame because it's been so great just chatting with everyone. But first, just like to check with Michael if we've had any questions from the audience at all. Yes, thanks, Nina. And thanks, guys. That was um, really interesting. Um, so, yes, lots of questions coming in as ever. Um, so, firstly, I have this one from Theodora. She wants to know although veganism is becoming hugely popular, what do you think are the main barriers to its growth? Um, personal preference, education, or big corporations? Oh, I think um, I think that veganism and veganism self can almost get like a bad rap because of social media. I think a lot of people, when they think 
a vegan they think oh crazy angry like not allowed to eat anything in front of them because they call you a murderer yeah. like, and obviously most <laughs> most vegans are just normal people going about their life like they don't really care um and i think another big kind of stereotype with veganism or um vegetarianism as well is a lot of people think it's really expensive and it's like it's really expensive to go mm. vegan or to go vegetarian and um I think we might have lost Jasmine. I think I don't know where it's come from. Oh. I, I think we might have lost Jasmine. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> well, because like for me personally, if I bring in so did my friend who eats meat, my shop is gonna eat costs a lot less, if that makes sense. Costs them mm. loads, but it's just really not the case. It's really yeah. easy. Oh, no. oh, oh, no. easy to go plant based, I think. And not have to spend an arm and a leg now yes complete yeah completely agree completely agree and do you guys have any ideas on that one as well um yeah i definitely think there are accessibility issues still i think the food culture in the uk is, is so interesting because we're one of the richest countries in the world but we have huge inequalities in the way that we are able to access foods Mm. Some vegan foods are more expensive. That is a fact. You know, a lot of plant milks are more expensive. Mm. But as we've already said, the industry is in its infancy. You know, when the manufacturing ramps up, think how long the meat and dairy industry have been going in comparison to the vegan industry. So when our manufacturing is able to get to a point where costs can decrease, they will. It's also complicated by the fact that some industries in the UK are subsidised by the government. So the meat and dairy industry are, are subsidised. So a litre of milk, a litre of cow's milk costs the same as a litre of water. That's that's just the way our supermarkets have, you know, made, made this food system work. And that obviously doesn't account for the true cost of the food in terms of health costs, environmental costs. Um, so I'm going off on tangent a little bit because I find the food accessibility issue is, is a really big issue for a lot of people in the UK, which is why it's so important to not just say it's easy for everyone because it's not it's, when you can't access food going vegan is not an easy choice but this is why we really try and work with all different types of people and it's really important to keep an open mind about things as well and increasingly I think vegans are being open-minded about things um kind of going back to what Jasmine's saying about stereotypes I think stereotypes do exist and it's kind of you know it's our job to to kind of break them down I suppose and really understand understand the barriers um and going slightly off topic but i think taste taste convenience they're still barriers as well to some people their taste convenience of cost are the three biggest things we look for when we purchase food for everyone so those three points really have to be hit and then things like health come into it that's probably even less than fourth place uh so we're all really busy people you know we've got a lot of things to consider in our lives so yeah taste convenience and cost uh we do need more education around things i think when people understand how much farmland is used for the animal agricultural industry they're absolutely shocked it's 85 percent in the uk 85 percent of our farmland is for animal agriculture in the uk that's just that's that's a huge figure i think what we could do if we converted that into food that we could grow for ourselves so yeah there's a lot to consider and yeah a lot of education but luckily we are really at a point where there's so much education out there um it's just people have to come to it in their own time Definitely. And what was interesting as well is when I was looking at the results from the Bulbshare survey, um, only 3% of uh, vegans in our community said they had an issue with stigma. So I think that 
element of the stereotypes are they're changing they're dissolving but um yeah there's that would still be a barrier for some people um any other questions michael yes yes thank thanks guys that was uh yeah really interesting response um yeah, so next we've got uh, this from Emma, and she wants to know, uh, has an increased awareness of the importance of sustainability and climate change led to an increased in plant-based diets or awareness? Yeah, I would say absolutely. Um, I know it was a smaller percentage on these results, but we, I've, I've seen varying percentages across different pieces of research. The environmental... Um, agenda and you know the climate crisis is is you can't get away from it it's it's everywhere it's all over the media um I can't remember if it has always been like this though because it, it seems like it is honestly just there every day and all the evidence really does show that a plant-based diet is more environment more environmentally friendly uh, than a meat meat and dairy based diet so again there's even I feel like almond milk always gets a bit of a bad rep because it's the most environmentally damaging plant milk, but even almond milk is better than cow's milk. And things like, this is why it's so frustrating as well when people say, oh, but avocados have, have loads of air miles. Well, it's not just vegans who eat avocados. About 1% of the, of the British population is vegan. We, everyone eats avocados. That's not like it's a staple of a vegan diet. And people, I think people use these small examples to try and... I don't know, try and cause arguments within between people and try and polarize the issue. And ultimately we're all kind of in it together. We all need to make better choices. Even some vegan, you know, in a lot of vegan diets, I'm sure we can make more environmentally friendly choices. Um, I actually drink pea milk. I was very surprised to not see it on your screen. Uh, I'm the only person I know that drinks it. Sounds weird. And it's not green, by the way, it's yellow pea milk, but that is a... <laughs> I've heard it's the most environmentally friendly milk and it also tastes really nice. So I do recommend it. Um, yeah, but yeah, there's lots of different ways we can make better choices, um, even as vegans. But yeah, it's definitely a reason as to why uh, people are swapping. Great. Thank you so much. Um, I'm not sure we have time for any more because I can see it's coming up to the hour. But thank you so much for your thoughts today, guys. It's been a real pleasure chatting with you. I've had such a good time. And also thank you to everyone that's joined the webinar too. Um, so in terms of what's coming next, well, we have a sustainability series coming very soon. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be a part one and part two with part one focusing on selling sustainability and how brands can make sustainability more accessible to consumers in a world where cost and convenience still reign. It's a bit like what you're just talking about, Louisiana. Um, and two, part two is about the ethical practices and the importance of transparency in terms of social sustainability as well. So as always, if you have any questions, feedback or ideas for future sessions, please do get in touch thank you so much to everyone for joining and yeah thanks everyone for um all your ideas today as well it's been thank brilliant yeah thank you so much for listening but don't stop there there is so much more coming from us remember to follow and subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on and tell your friends too and while you're at it why not check out bold share a little more you can find us on social media on boldshare.com or on email at info at bulbshare.com. Stay tuned for more podcasts packed full of insights. Thank you.